Well, hey, welcome to those of you watching online as well. So glad that you are tuned in. And I just want to address you online for just a moment. If you live close enough to actually attend in person or maybe you live far away and you just want to visit North Branch, Minnesota someday, um, we would love if you would choose to be a part of our services here in person. Uh, you, you miss so much of the awesomeness of what our church is, and that's because of all these other people sitting here that you can't even see. And so uh, I want you to know, as a church, we would love to get the chance to meet you, and I think you would love to get the chance to meet all these uh, all these lovely faces here as well. So anyway, uh, we are in the middle of a series called Joy. It's our Christmas series. We're actually going to wrap it up on Christmas. So uh, like you heard earlier, make sure and don't forget those services. But really just talking about you know, kind of the joy of the season, why we should have joy as we as we enter into Christmas. And Christmas is, is right around the corner. Um, I have two little girls myself. They're nine and 12. And uh, it's it's fun for me to see the joy that they have regarding Christmas. Like they're still young enough. My oldest is getting a little bit too big for her britches. You know, she's 12 going on 27. But uh <clears throat> Those of you with older kids know that's true. So, but they still get kind of giddy about Christmas. You know, they're still little enough to really enjoy it. And it's still the magic of Christmas to them. And every single year when my wife sets up for Christmas, we've got like this little Christmas calendar sort of decoration thing. And in there, there's 25 little drawers. And in every one of those drawers, my wife puts two pieces of candy. I mean, like the cheapest dollar store candy you can imagine. Okay. Just straight trash. But like, they wake up every morning so excited because they get to eat candy in the morning. And like, it's just, it's Christmas fun for them. You know, they, they look forward to Christmas as soon as Halloween's done. They want to start playing Christmas music. No. Okay. We have a rule at the Idgahi household. That is the correct rule. No Christmas till after Thanksgiving. Okay. So, oh man, you guys are saved. This is great. Um, Anyway, they love to play Christmas music and all. And like it just, it gets them in this mood. They're just happier and more joyous and just generally a little bit nicer to each other sometimes, you know, when they, when we bribe them with like wrapped gifts that are already under the tree and, and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they're like counting down the days till school is done and counting down the days until Christmas Eve. And, and here's the thing, Christmas hasn't come yet, right? But to them, like even the anticipation of Christmas coming makes a difference in their lives. Like they're, 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 there's just something different. There's this eagerness and this excitement and this joy in their hearts because Christmas is coming soon. And I would, I would suspect maybe some of us here are like that when it comes to Christmas. But here's what I know about all of us. All of us are like that when it comes to something. Now, maybe our some things are a little different than others. But every one of us, when we're looking forward to something, we get excited. We get a little happier. We get a little more joy in us. You know, imagine, imagine um, you're building a new house, right? There's a lot of work that goes into building a new house. You know, you got to find the land. You got to find a contractor. You got to pick out drawer pulls and light fixtures and paint color and all that sort of stuff. That's a lot of work. There's a lot of stress in there. But when you know your dream home is coming, like... I could look at cabinet polls all day long, you know, like it's, it's fun. There's, there's some happiness there. We're looking forward to it. If you're engaged right now, or maybe you've been recently married, or if you can remember back to when you're married, you know, kind of that feeling of like, okay, I'm getting married in a year. Oh, and then it's nine months. 
and then it's six months, or for some of you, it's seven years from now, but I've been Pinteresting this thing out, you know, since I was six years old. There's this, this joy and this excitement. And, and when you look at just the task work of planning a wedding, catering, decorations, what to wear, who are you going to invite? What if somebody is gluten-free? What if somebody doesn't like um, all these different things? Any one of us, if we had to plan that for like a work party, we'd be like, nah, no way. That's way too much work. But when it's your special day, oh, well, then it's, then it's nice. And then it's all, you know, because there's just something inside we're looking for. Remember when you had your first kid or your second? I mean, if you're on number six by now, this probably isn't the case. But like those first couple, you know, you really love more than the other ones. And like nobody, especially the first, obviously, Those first couple, you know, nobody looks forward to doctor's visits, right? No, no, none of you women look forward to gaining weight. Uh, Nobody looks forward to pain. Nobody looks forward to a minimum 18-year drain on your bank account. But when there's a new baby, like, oh, man, all of a sudden, all those things are suddenly joyous, momentous occasions. And you just, I mean, just go down the list, right? When you're planning for a vacation, when you're you're about to graduate college, There is a certain level of joy that we experience when we look forward to something coming in the future. And really, I think that is a key element of the Christmas story. This birth of Jesus that we celebrate year after year that we've been doing for two millennia, this Christmas story, I think, ought to elicit that same sort of joyous response in us. We've read this verse every single week of the series, but it's what the angel told the shepherds on the night Jesus was born. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Why would this be good news? Why would this cause great joy? We've talked about some of the reasons already, but but I think this This word right here is why you and I can experience great joy. A Savior has come. Now, the Jewish people, when Jesus was first born, the nation of Israel, they had known that God was going to send a Savior. God was going to send a Messiah. They'd been looking forward to it for generations. But the sights that they had were way too small. They were expecting a political Savior. They were expecting God to send someone who would who would lead them in militaristic fashion to overtake their the Roman oppressors. They were waiting for a literal governmental king, and they missed the boat. Now, is Jesus going to be those things? Yeah, someday in the future, but, but what we miss sometimes is Jesus is a Savior for eternal reasons. The reason that we ought to celebrate and be joyous about Christmas is because of the hope we have for eternity or the hope that we ought to have, heaven forever with God. It's Jesus' birth along with his life and death and resurrection that is our source of eternal hope. Jesus talked about this often. It's recorded in the Gospels many times where he would say, hey, guys, guys, my kingdom is not of this world. Over and over again, Jesus would have to remind his disciples, people in the crowd, people he talked to, my kingdom 
is not of this world. You know, they'd, they'd get all, you know, worked up and out of shape because someone treated them the wrong way and they felt hurt. Jesus would have to remind them, okay, forgive them because my kingdom is not of this world. It's not about getting them back. It's about something bigger. Or you know what? They'd have questions about this, this parable and what it meant. And he'd have to say, guys, you're missing the whole point. I'm not talking about things we can touch, see, taste, and feel. I'm talking about what it's going to be like at the end of age. I'm talking about eternity. They would have these competitions with each other to see who could be the best or who could, you know, be number one next to Jesus. And there's, there's these two, there's this group of two brothers and they get their mom involved to try and like sweet talk Jesus a little bit, you know, like, Hey Jesus, my two boys are pretty cool. Like, but which one of them is going to be number one? And Jesus is like, Oh, come on lady. It's my kingdom is not of this world. That's not what it's about. During the last supper, you know, Jesus has his closest followers around and, and he's just pouring out his heart to them, trying to get them to understand what the last three years have been about. But Jesus talks about persecution that's going to come. He talks about some of the troubles and trials that, that followers of his were going to face and, and that there was going to be times of sadness and sorrow. But right in the middle of this Last Supper discussion, Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Listen, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Like, do you think I'm, you think I'm lying to you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I just pictured, you know, Jesus around this table or sitting on the floor. He's like, guys, listen, I've got something so good to tell you. Like, I know there's going to be some trouble. I know you're going to go through stuff, but listen, I have got the best Christmas gift you are ever going to get. You can't believe this. You guys, I have the, I have, I have the best vacation ever planned for you. It is heaven. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus said, listen, even though this stuff is going to happen, Jesus is telling these, these, these friends, I want you to experience real joy. Not just happiness in a circumstance, not just ability to withstand, but like to actually experience a joy because what I am doing is going to blow your mind. I, my purpose here is to buy a plane ticket for you to this place I'm going to prepare. Everything Jesus said and did and taught about and what everything he did was all with eternity in mind, knowing that heaven is real. He said to his friends, don't be troubled. Heaven is real. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's not ready yet, but I, I promise you I'm coming back to get you and we're going to go there together. Now, here's, here's the problem I think many of us face when we hear this, when we think about heaven. If we're honest with ourselves, we go, Meh. I mean, okay, I guess, but I mean, do you really have a desire to float around in like a bright, white, ambiguous space? Do you do, do any of us really have a desire to turn into like naked babies with wings? You know, I mean, for I mean, sure, we we don't want the other one, right? Okay, okay, it's got to be better than hell, but. If I have a choice between what I think heaven is and my life now, many of us choose our life now. 
because we know, we see, we taste, we've got good things. We live in America in 2022, okay? We don't even know, most of us, what troubles and struggles are like. And so when we hear Jesus say, heaven is coming, it's going to be awesome, don't be troubled, we have a hard time believing him, don't we? Could heaven really be that good? Because everything we've heard as a culture, seen in media, maybe what we grew up learning about heaven, I wonder if we actually have a proper view of what heaven is really like. And we're not going to read through all the verses today. as we need to look through it. As, as you read through the Bible, you start to see some hints towards a description of what heaven is going to be like, what eternity is really going to be like for you and I. Heaven is a real place. It's not just some energy, spiritual zone. It's not just bright white clouds and blue skies. It is a real place. In the Bible, we see there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, a, a literal, real, physical place that we will live in forever. It is a place that is going to be more beautiful than we could possibly imagine. I think sometimes, you know, we we we've got our we hear these things in songs or cards or whatever, you know, streets of gold. Can you imagine what streets of gold actually look like? I mean, just perfect, perfect place, perfect weather. It's going to be a, a perfect earth, no more tornadoes, droughts, hurricanes, sleet, any of that sort of stuff, like all gone, an absolute perfect place. It's going to have perfect perfect weather, perfect experience sort of thing. When we look at what the Bible says about heaven, we also see that you and I, those of us that have put our trust in Jesus to be made right with God, that we are going to have real bodies. And we don't know exactly what those are going to look like. The Apostle Paul says there's flesh for an earthly body and then flesh for a spiritual body, but nonetheless, real bodies. We don't turn into angels. We don't turn into fat, chubby little babies. We have real bodies that, that, that are going to be perfect, where there's no more aches, no more pains, no more broken bones, no more illness, no more battles in our mind sort of thing. These bodies that we're going to have, we're going to be able to recognize one another in. That we're going to, we're going to know some of each other, and, and, and these relationships that we're going to have the ability to have are going to be the perfect sort of relationship possible where there's no pride between us, where there's no hurt between us, where there's no anger, where there's no disappointment, where there's no jealousy, where there's no comparing, you know, you to your brother or sister, any of that, all of that is completely, it is a perfect, perfect world. In Revelation, we read there's going to be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more hurt, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more loneliness, because the old order of things, the, the, the world in which we have to live in now, it's going to pass away. In this, this heaven, this place that Jesus says, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you, is going to be perfect in every sense of the word. There's going to be no more, I'm convinced, no more group text messages where it's just notification after notification. You're like, how do I leave this stupid thing? It's gone. Or maybe it'll be a perfect phone system. I mean, Apple's pretty close. <clears throat> Listen, I don't think there's going to be Green Bay Packers in heaven. 
I mean, don't quote me on that one. This is just my interpretation of the Bible, okay? So just a perfect, perfect Think of it like this. Think of whatever your best vacation spot is. Imagine an all-inclusive vacation there, except you don't have to pay to get there. And once you're there, you never have to leave. You never have to come back to those annoying emails at work. You never have to come back to shoveling snow. You never have to come back to being tired and hungry and having to make your own food at night. I mean, all those things completely gone. Heaven is so much better, real, actual than I think many of us even think about. And maybe that sounds too good to be true. You know, like, oh, that's just a pipe dream. No, listen. Jesus says, listen, you already got the trust in God part down. Like, right? Or that's, that's most of it. You trust in God? He says this, trust also in me. What I'm telling you is the truth. This place, what we read about heaven is amazing. And it is not too good to be true. It is what God has prepared for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus. And Jesus says, don't be troubled. No matter what you go through in life, no matter what you're experiencing, You don't have to be troubled. You can experience joy because this is just right around the corner. And this this long-term view, this playing the long game, focusing on heaven, man, the early disciples got this. The first century Christians, they, they understood this. This was their whole attitude towards life. And obviously, you know, seeing Jesus predict his own death and resurrection and then come back in the flesh, that helps, you know, anytime somebody does that, it just go with whatever they say. But like they, they got this, my kingdom is not of this world part. Peter, in one of his letters, he writes this. He says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one whose birth we celebrate on Christmas. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now Because of that, because we know that's true, because that's our entire faith, what it's built upon, now we live with great expectation. Or maybe as the angel would say, with this great joy on the inside. Why? Because we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. I mean, can you just... I don't know about you, but when I read Peter's words, I can almost sense the joy that he's writing with. Brothers, sisters, I got to tell you this. You, you have got, we've got to remember what this thing is all about, what Jesus did for us. He, I mean, he goes out in the rest of his letter to write about how to live out your faith and get along with other people and government stuff and all that, whatever. But he starts off in chapter one at the very beginning. Don't forget this. Don't forget about this great expectation, this great joy. Why? Because of heaven, because of eternity, because this is so much better than we could ever imagine, this priceless inheritance we've been given. He goes on a little later. He says this, so be truly glad. Like what what other option could there be? There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Or at least from Peter's perspective, after walking with Jesus, after hearing all the parables, after listening to his teachings, after seeing him rise from the dead, 
this was Peter's, hey, what other response makes sense? Th think about it like this. Those of us that are Vikings fans, okay? Remember the game against the Bills a few weeks ago that we were supposed to lose and, you know, all that sort of stuff. The Bills were awesome, all that. Remember what it was like in the fourth quarter to watch that game live? Like, the nail-biting and the anticipation and the Vikings are driving down in the fourth quarter because, you know what, they, they, they need to score and, and they're right down there and, and first down, nothing, second down, nothing, third down, nothing, and they, they don't make it. And the Bills get the ball on the one-inch line. You're like, oh, great, here it's over. But then Josh Allen fumbles and the Vikings recover, but then there's still enough time and the Bills march down the field and they score again and it goes into overtime. You're just like, when is this game going to end? Oh, God, please, you know, just sort of thing. And, and they go into overtime and the Vikings win the coin toss and all they got to do is go score a touchdown, you know? That's all they have to do, but they go and, and they don't make it. They got to kick a field goal and, man, we're going to give the ball back to Josh Allen. You know, surely we know what's going to happen there, right? And the Bills start more. I mean, I could... Let me try and give you a picture of what it was like in my house watching that game. Yeah! Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just, I've, I've never experienced such highs and lows and stress and biting my nails. And you can ask my wife and girls, okay? I probably looked like a maniac at that moment. And then for Patrick Peterson to make that interception, the end zone to seal the deal was like, oh, yes. Finally, that was stressful watching that live. But how different do you think it would be if we were to watch that game now? Right? I mean, how much, how much more joy? Those of us that are vice-versa, some of you don't care about football. I'll pray for you, okay? So, but for some of us, how much easier could we watch the ups and downs and the struggles and the back and forth and the ball if we just know, yeah, but in the end we win. Yeah, but in the end, I know the Vikings win. Like, I think that's the sort of thing that Peter is writing here. Listen, don't worry about what the score is at halftime. Don't worry about what it's like when you go into overtime. Listen, there's this glorious, there's joy ahead. Times a billion, times infinity. I think that's the same sort of idea that Peter is writing about, that Jesus talked about. The Apostle Paul lived his life with, with more struggles and pain than most of us will ever experience combined all together. I mean, shipwrecked, beating, imprisonments, left for dead, stoned to death, friendly fire, you name it, Paul went through the ringer. And he writes in some of his letters sometimes about the struggles he went through, that, that, that there's just this weight pressing in on every side, and he felt knocked down and, and hunted down, and just this like, he describes his life sometimes as this suffering that he endured. Now, I'm not sure if I've ever went through anything in my life that I could honestly say was suffering. But Paul did. And Paul writes these words. He says, though our bodies are dying, sometimes literally, he had friends and people he knew martyred for their faith. Though our bodies are dying, everything around us is going horrible. Our spirits are being renewed every day. We have this, this hope, this joy on the inside. Why? Because we know our present trouble, troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them 
and will last forever. And so Paul says this, hey, for me, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We don't look at what the score is at halftime. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. When I read what Paul says, and you can kind of catch his attitude in some of his other letters, I almost get the sense that he's saying here, yeah, there's, there's problem and there's struggles. And you know what? I was just beat last Tuesday, but uh, mentally I'm already on vacation. In my mind, I think Paul would say like, listen, I, you know what? I already won the Powerball. It's okay. Yeah, this, this, this isn't the greatest. Our bodies are dying. Okay. If I had a choice between this and something else, I'd choose the other, but this is so small. Paul's perspective on life was that this life is so short. It is but a mist. Eternity is real. Heaven is real. We have this glory waiting for us. Why would we focus so much on something right now when we have this incredible, in Peter's words, inexpressible joy coming in the future? How how do you and I get there? How do we have that kind of mindset? that Peter had, that Paul had? How do we understand and actually live out what Jesus said? I'm preparing a place. My kingdom is not out of this world. I mean, it's one thing to read words on a screen, right? Sitting in a church service, ah, feels good here. But what about tomorrow when you go back to work? What about Tuesday when you've got to visit somebody in the hospital? What about this holiday season when your bank account is way? I mean, how do we actually live with this mindset? in our daily lives? I believe the answer is found in Colossians chapter 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, for those of us that have put our trust in what Jesus did to make us right with God, since that, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I don't think this is a silver bullet. I don't think this is just a light switch that we flip and we're all good. But I believe with all my heart, this is the answer for you and I to live with the same mindset that we read about and what Jesus encourages us to do, to simply think about heaven more to set our sights on the realities of heaven. Those of us that are Christians, and maybe that's not all of us here, maybe that's not everybody watching online, this is one of the biggest reasons I think you should be. It's the biggest. But for those of us that are Christians, this is the grand prize. Why, as believers, why we don't focus on this more often, I I don't understand Because to me, I believe this is the answer that we're all looking for. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, This is probably two, three, maybe even four years ago now by this point. But this this was something that I focused on a lot. Not even that I necessarily like made up my mind to, but it just became something as I would spend time with God, as I would read through the Bible just in my personal life. 
I kept coming back to these verses over and over and over again. And if I didn't read them every day, it was always in the back of my mind, something going on that I would just, I would try to put this into practice. Think about things of heaven. Think about things of heaven. Okay. Think about, be more eternity minded. And out of that came this, this thing that kind of started off as a joke, honestly, where I would just look out of a window and just see like, is it cloudy today? And if it wasn't cloudy, a little bit of bummed. If it was cloudy, a little bit excited. Why? Because Jesus left on the clouds and the angel said he's coming back the same way. Now, I obviously don't think he's coming back on like a cumulus cloud, okay? Like I think it's probably more of a heavenly glory, but it's just kind of this lighthearted thing of like, I'm going to direct my mind. I'm going to think about this. Is it cloudy? He could be coming back and just trying, trying to allow God to pull my heart more that direction. And you know what's happened over time? I can't even tell you like a specific time it did, but I can look back on my life now and see how God did change my heart. Not me, not like, oh, I'm going to grit my teeth and do that, but through spending time with God and asking him to make this real. And he did. And this hasn't prevented every trouble I've gone through, right? Like there's, there's still been situations I wish were different. I, I've gone up and down in, in depression and sorts of things. But it, when I look back or even in the middle of it, I can see almost like this constant baseline of joy in my life, even in the down times, because I just know I believe with all my heart, heaven is real. It's coming. Whatever I'm going through right now, it's going to be short. Whatever I'm going through right now is not going to last forever. I tell myself, whatever it is I'm going through is not all there is. There is eternity to look forward to. Jesus promised me a place. And I'm telling you, this has changed my life. Still have a long ways to go. Still got a lot of things to work on. But I have experienced a joy on the inside from God by doing this right here. And I just want to ask, do you think that could work for you? Do you think following this advice, do you think that could make a difference in your life? Maybe not. I'm not talking about be the cure all for all your troubles, but could it be a part of the cure for what ails us on the inside? Thinking about the realities of heaven, think about the things of heaven. Listen, there's some of us and we're going through struggles right now, right? Our bank account's low, water heater broke, kids aren't doing well in school. We're stressed about, you know, holidays with the family and buying gifts for people we don't like and we can't afford. All these, there's just, there's stuff going on, right? Thinking about the things of heaven is not going to literally change any one of those. But do you think maybe it could change you and I on the inside? Do you think maybe if we were more eternally focused, it might help us get through some of those struggles? Like, like at work, you know? It's easy to deal with that email when we know we're stepping on a plane to Cancun in 12 hours. Don't you, I mean, don't you think that could help? Some of us, we're dealing with incredible disappointment. You know what? We, 
We wanted a new house and the interest rates ruined that. We wanted a new job, but we just can't seem to find it or not the one that we want. Or we thought we'd be further along in life and we're, we're not. Or we wanted to get pregnant and we just can't. There's just disappointment that you and I, we experience. Do you think thinking about the things of heaven could help? Would you even be open to trying that? I mean, would would we really be that disappointed at our jobs if we didn't get a raise if we knew in two weeks we were winning the Powerball? Raise probably wouldn't matter as much anymore, would it? Do you think that could make a difference in our lives? Some of us are, are dealing with illness, either in ourselves or in our loved ones. Chronic pain, chronic disease, cancer, you know, and, and we're tired, we're exhausted, we are wore out, we've given this battle everything we can. All I'm saying is, what if we just thought about heaven a little more? It's not going to make the illness go away. But do you think we could experience some joy in the midst of that, knowing what God has promised us through Jesus? Some of us, we, we wage war every single day in our minds with depression, with anxiety, with loneliness, with worry, with fear, with anger, whatever it may be. What if this right here was more than just warm, fuzzy talk? What if we actually treated this like a weapon to wage war back against the battles we face in our mind? Like, what if we just told ourselves the truth more often? I'm not saying it's going to be easy, right? I'm not saying it's just going to be like, oh, this pill you take and everything's fine. But what if we just reminded ourselves, you know what? What I'm feeling right now is not going to last forever. I know there's a place coming that God has promised you. There is no more of these battles. Do you think that would help? Some of us, this Christmas is going to be the hardest one we've ever faced because of loss. We lost a child. We lost a parent. We lost a spouse. We lost a sibling. It's the first Christmas where there's going to be an empty seat at the table. This is not going to bring them back. But Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Paul said, even though our bodies are dying on the inside, we are being renewed. Would you be open even a little bit to trying what God said, to thinking about the things of heaven more than the pain, more than the loss, in the midst of struggle, disappointment, whatever it is, to set our sights on the realities of heaven. You see, the angel told the, the shepherds that night, hey, listen, there's great news of joy for all people. And I, I don't think that was joy just for the shepherds. I don't think that was joy just for the first century believers. I think that same thing is true and available to each and every one of us. I want to, this is just me personally, I want to be more heavenly-minded, eternity-focused today than I was yesterday and more tomorrow than I was today, because I believe it makes a difference. What about you? Jesus said, my kingdom's out of this world. Peter said, there's joy ahead. Paul said, I'm going to fix my sights and the things I cannot see. But what about us? I believe God has offered us a, a, a joy through this birth of Jesus that we celebrate year after year after year because heaven is 
is real. Eternity is just right around the corner. And I want to invite all of us to try experiencing that joy this Christmas season. Let me, uh, let me just pray together before we head on out today. Father, thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that you have promised us such an amazing reward. Thank you, Jesus, that you are preparing a place for us. And, and God, I just ask for your help for me, for every single one of us here, everybody watching online. I ask that you would, you would touch our hearts in such a way that we would be drawn to heaven more than we ever have before. May we be drawn to this promise that you've given us of being in perfect relationship with you in a perfect heaven. Father, I want you to draw my heart. We want you to draw our hearts more and more that direction. May your truth seep more and more into our hearts. May we actually experience joy this Christmas because of what you've promised us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.